This is the Unregulated Podcast by City AM. I'm Emma Hazlitt. This week, we're tackling new beginnings. Apparently, after we've gone, he said to my brother, well, at least when he's given this idea, he can go back to being an optician. Career coach Caroline Arnold. It's that predictability that people just suddenly realise, you know, on a Monday morning, I don't want to be getting up every Monday going to the same job for the next 50 years. Jeremy Tors, founder of Union Hand Roasted Coffee. Nobody was doing takeaway coffee in those days, and line one in our business plan was will British people drink and walk in the street? Hey! The Unregulated podcast is back for a second series. If you haven't heard us before, we discuss entrepreneurial stories, how to be better at your job, and how to take the next steps in your career. For our difficult second series, we are ensconced in a snazzy new studio provided to us by White City Place and Huckletree, the digital lifestyle co-working space. In honour of new beginnings, this week it's out with the old and in with the new. We're learning how to jack in our boring old careers and start something new and exciting. And to talk us through it, we've got career coach Caroline Arnold and Jeremy Tors, one of the founders of Union Hand Roasted Coffee. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Thanks for having me. Jeremy, I want to start with you because your story is really interesting. You started out as an optician. Yes. (laughs) How long did you do that for? Um, I was in practice for eight, nine, nearly nine years. And then one day you were like, I'm doing coffee instead. My partner and I uh, were lucky enough to have a, I wouldn't say a career break, but some time away from the UK during which um, an idea came to us about working together. We were previously in very different careers. Um, My partner, Stephen, was an immunologist, medical research scientist, but we shared a passion for food and drink, and we were lucky enough to be in the part of the world where in the early 90s, um, that was... Uh, a very exciting place to be, the south of San Francisco on the west coast of the US, uh, when the food scene in the UK was pretty pedestrian. It wasn't the exciting space it is today. Yeah, for me it was about, I enjoyed what I did, the technical aspects, but I couldn't see myself doing it for the rest of my life. What I quite like about your story is that you've got two very definite new starts. So you ditched the career in um, opticianing, Mm. and then... And, but then you, later on, much later, you sold your first business to Starbucks and then moved on. So that's two kind of real new starts. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, we've jumped out of the plane twice. Um, <laughs> didn't learn enough on the first time round. Um, no, the, the, the first time we did it, um, it was quite scary, you know, giving up a predictable but secure future. Um, not knowing exactly how life would take us and... It was really having spent a few years in the U.S. just soaking up the can-do culture, Um, whereas in the U.K., you know, every time we spoke to somebody about, oh, I think you're doing this, it was like, really? What? (laughs) Don't get it. What's wrong with you? Um, Including a bank manager who we came and presented our idea to and thought we were absolutely crazy. So, so Caroline, I have um, I dug out some research which suggested that people change jobs seven times during their lifetimes. 
I think, as Jeremy said, it's that predictability that people just suddenly realise, you know, on a Monday morning, I don't want to be getting up every Monday going to the same job for the next 50 years. I remember when um, I started with Waitrose, their graduate programme, and I remember getting my first pension statement and it said I'd retire in 2047. (laughs) And I went to my boss and I said, JP, I I can't work till 2047. He said, yeah, but the scary thing is it will be a lot longer (laughs) than that. And I think people just... Now with social media, they realize it's a little bit easier to start your own company and there's so much knowledge out there and there's so many people doing it. I think the culture is slowly coming from the States with that can-do attitude and there's a lot more um, incubators that help entrepreneurs start their own business. And I think there's more of an introduction to flexible working so people can work maybe four days a week in their predictable but secure job getting their salary so they can pay the mortgage but have that one day a week maybe that they can do something different. If you've got a fabulous idea or you want to ditch your career in accountancy to go and work in bomb disposal (laughs) how do you know if it's a good idea I think go test it with people outside your immediate family because your immediate family may be quite supportive and think you know in a loving way that's a great idea but actually you need to go test it with people who are outside of your network who are going to give you some really honest feedback so whether that's going to the street and ask random people or do a survey monkey and put it on all your social media but you really need to have a plan and start testing it and see are people going to pay for this how quickly can you get your product or service out there and do you have any cash behind you to possibly not earn anything for a year two years but you're going to be spending a lot of money on a website on a logo on a product it just the costs do mount up a lot more than you think. But then Jeremy's bank manager told him that it was a terrible idea. So Don't expect the business that you think you're going to start to go in that in the direction. And that was really my bank manager moment. Um, because when Stephen and I came back over from on visits from the US to see what a coffee shop could do here in the UK, that market didn't even exist. So... Nobody was doing takeaway coffee in those days. And line one in our business plan was, will British people drink and walk in the street? Um, (laughs) And that was a real test. But nobody understood what we were trying to do. And the bank manager said, well, look, if you're really serious about this, you've never had a business before. No landlord's going to rent you a property. Go and start a small wholesale business in a shed somewhere and come back and see me in a year's time if you're still in business. And... We, we kind of did that. Um, so we started roasting coffee and selling to restaurants and cafes. And through the quality of what we do, um, got picked up by some very good chefs and cafe outlets at the time. And this is at what point? Uh, we're talking here, what, 1995. Um, we started just about six months before the first of the coffee chains started and took off a company called the Seattle Coffee Company, um, who we quite quickly came to supply. Um, and that was what helped us grow in that first business. But the coffee shop model, nobody knew it. Um, so the advice we were given was actually quite right. And I think you have to have a bit of a thick skin Mm. um, to accept the criticism from friends and family or externals um, and not be that uh, entrepreneur who's so bullheaded that you can't hear, you know, the the real message. So Caroline, 
it's it, yeah wake up and smell the coffee I mean, it's it sounds a bit like you've got to be prepared to be adaptable to sacrifice your precious idea yeah it's interesting i was listening to a podcast yesterday um in the car another podcast and i know sorry um and they were saying actually to be an entrepreneur you need to sometimes kill your own ideas and that's really hard because it's your baby and you've possibly worked for six months a year into that and you've possibly invested some money uh, but as jeremy said you know he, he so easily could have listened to that bank manager and said oh okay I'll, I'll go back to my normal job. So to keep going, you know, you might have 50 no's, but actually you might only need one company to say yes, and suddenly you're supplying Waitrose, for example. I mean, we've talked a lot about becoming an entrepreneur and starting your own business and going out by yourself, which is obviously, you know, an exciting thought. But what about people who, you know, just aren't happy with the careers that they're in? Especially, you know, you get people fairly senior levels who have decided I, I don't like this anymore how hard is it to go back and retrain and start something new it can be hard and I think that's when your mindset you need to keep going but also I think you need to have a plan so if you just want to change career for example so you still want to be employed but it's thinking about okay what skill set have I got that I can transfer so you might be a really good communicator or you might be a really good manager and that you might be in financial services but those skills will be relevant for example in a charity so it might be yes you might take a pay cut to go from financial services to a charity but you might be working you know for a charity that helps people with dementia and you might start to think oh actually my grandparents had dementia and so I've suddenly got a purpose to get out of bed every morning and I don't mind that I've now got a pay cut or I don't mind if the hours are along because I have a purpose and I can kind of see you know what my job is doing so yes it can be hard but I think you just need to keep going be clear on why you're doing it um, and making sure you're changing for the right reason and as you said at the beginning you know we're all going to change jobs quite a few times we're going to be working longer and I think it's just that keep going and don't be afraid of taking opportunities up as they come even if you hadn't really thought it might be the one. I read a story about one guy who just basically started hanging out in the place that the people in the industry he wanted to be in hung out in. I mean, is that the kind of thing that you did, Jeremy? Um, yeah, I think you know, people call it networking or however, but... I guess you just drink uh, loads of coffee. Right? Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, it's a very social beverage. Um, <laughs> so there's never a problem when you want to meet somebody for coffee. Um, no, I think in in our world, when, when we first started uh, and when we started Union Hand Roasted, it was really... Yeah, who's the community that we want to reach? And you have to get to know that community, learn its language. Uh, what are the important aspects? So uh, before our days as union, when Steve and I very first started, the, the, the selling manual that we picked up was the, I think it was the restaurant guide. And we just went through that, scored any anybody that scored or restaurant that scored over 75 out of 100 was a target and then I had to go out and learn sort of kitchen speak and restaurant <laughs> operation speak um, and just to be able to have an empathic conversation with people like that but there's no doubt that um, finding whether it's conferences or industry meetings and you don't have to be a participant, but just go and spend time there and see how people talk about it. Um, the first coffee conference I went to in the US in Boston in 1993, um, it was a complete eye-opener. 
and you very quickly see who are the people on the speaker slots taking making attention and you kind of listen to those and then you sort of meet somebody in the bar and ask for their opinion and you learn who is actually talking good stuff or who's blowing their own trumpet or <laughs> just advancing the latest fashionable message. I feel like I want to go to a coffee conference. I feel like it would be my natural place. <laughs> you don't sleep very much. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> Caroline, what what advice do you give to people when they're saying, you know, my, my skills are wrong, I need to get new skills? Do you, do you give them kind of ideas like hanging out and talking to people or do you just tell them to get on the internet? Or, I mean, what should you do? So there's a real range of things you can do. So if you're in a job at the moment and you want to change, it's thinking about what can you do now in your job? So it's can you work, go part-time, for example? So on that spare day, you can go training, you can read a book, you can listen to podcasts, you can read a blog, you can go to your conferences, um, ask for a pay rise, so you've got a bit of extra cash. Um, but also then, you know, whether it's going back to university part-time, you know, open university, get yourself retrained. I'll also kind of, you know, say... Go network, go speak to people who are in the industry you want to be in. Drink coffee. Drink coffee. Um, Ask them, how did they get started? And I think don't be afraid to ask for advice. Um, I've just published my first book and um, I'm part of a mastermind group. So it's a group coaching setting and we meet once a month. So not only do I have someone to hold me account, uh, because that's probably the biggest thing as an entrepreneur, I've realised you don't have a boss setting your own objectives. You have Mm -hmm. to set those yourself and that can be really hard. If it's a big, scary goal, it's just where do you start? And so I remember asking my mastermind group, right, so I've written this book. What on earth do I now do with it? And so between the seven of us, we came up with a plan. But I I might have been able to do that on my own, but actually it's just so much easier if you're asking people who've been there, done it, so you're not kind of going through the same mistakes that they possibly did. And then you've got people holding you to account, presumably, as well, going... Absolutely. Yeah, because I started writing my book probably about 18 months ago, and it was when I joined the Mastermind Group in January this year, I said, right, I am writing this book and I'm publishing it. And they said, when? I said, July. And they were like, right, great. And so they they kind of suggested, which I then did, is publicly put on a launch book party okay. in July. And in March, I was finishing that book and, you know, getting the logo done because there was nothing more embarrassing to think. <laughs> if I turn up in July to my own book launch party without a book, I'm going to feel a bit silly. I feel like we've heard a lot about this book. Do you want to just plug it? Yeah, absolutely, if that's okay. What's so it called? It's Where can called, I get it? How much is it? It's called Get Confident and Accelerate Your Career. It's on Amazon as a paperback and a Kindle, so it's seven ninety nine. But it's a real practical guide, how to increase your tips, um, but then also what to do in a job and then how to promote yourself. Okay. Um, Jeremy, let's go back to you. Mm. What was the hardest? Was it harder ditching your career and moving into an entrepreneurial lifestyle or was it harder to sell up your first baby and start your second um i think it was definitely the 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 former it's just starting out um uh, moving from as caroline was saying a world where it had a lot of structure Very uh, safe. i was employed you know i turn up at work I had an appointment list to deal with at five o'clock that was it that was the job done um in the early days finding enough meaningful tasks to keep yourself what you consider to be gainfully employed um, is a challenge. Um, So you had too much time on your hands, that's what you Yeah, and that's not unusual, I think, in starting a business. Um, And I've 
since spoken to many people who've sort of gone the same route and I've said enjoy the the off time moments because there aren't going to be many coming up I suppose it's almost like my niece who had a baby recently it's like oh, I'm waiting I'm waiting waiting yeah well, think about the now and realize how much your world is going to change later but it is it's starting a business like having a baby you know as it starts to to grow your time involvement just accelerates disproportionately. So I think it was definitely a learning curve, um, being self-accountable like that, setting goals and pushing yourself to to get there, Um, being self-critical. That's another, I think, key aspect, because I think certainly in our world, uh, I would say, you know, when I've got my roasting machine and I bought some expensive sacks of of beans to roast there's the sort of natural desire to think that every batch we roasted from day one was going to be brilliant Uh and you have to know you have to be very self-critical it takes a while to perfect a craft yeah so that that was a really hard part um what conversations were you having while you were trying to make the decision to start this um, a family certainly didn't understand it, you know, having gone to college and studied for professional qualification and Stephen had been through first degree and then a PhD. Um, so it was, people just didn't understand it. So what but, did your mum say? Um, are you mad? <laughs> yeah, they, I remember visiting them one weekend to show them. Uh, some logos that we'd had drawn up and the only thing that we had any spare cash for was to do a company identity and we sort of presented three or four different boards to them and they looked blankly at all of them and (laughs) apparently after we'd gone said to my brother well at least when he's given this idea he can go back to being an optician Um, but it you know it took a few years Um, as I said, the world, the coffee world landscape here was very, very different back then. And I think we just accepted that we were a few years ahead of our curve. And I mean, Caroline, how do you ward off that negativity? And how do you know that that negativity is wrong? So firstly, I agree with Jeremy, you, ne- you need a vision. So I'm a big believer in having a vision board. So I have a vision board, which is big picture. If everything goes really well, this is what I'd love to achieve. And that's on my wardrobe and I see it every single day possibly twice a day and I think that starts you on that positive mindset of this is what I'm working towards and then as Jeremy said sometimes you really don't know what to do during the day when you're first starting so it's actually okay this is what my goal is and helps you break it down Uh, I'm then also a big believer in positive affirmations which I know can sound a little bit woo-woo but actually it works and I kind of think if you haven't given it a go before just give it a go it might you know, it might work for you. Like what? So what do you say to your mum when she's like, you can't do it? Uh, um, family's a bit different. So positive <laughs> affirmations for me is, is more of an internal thing. Okay. So um, that kind of negative voice, inner voice, or the, you know, the inner gremlin that's saying to you, you're not good enough, stay in your corporate job, stay with the salary, the last Friday of the month, stay with the pension, the private healthcare, paid holiday, paid bank holidays. That all sounds great. And that's what the inner voice is going to be telling you. But that's keeping you in your comfort zone. So it's saying things like, I am good enough. Um, I am confident. Progress, not perfection. Um, So I think it's really recognizing that we all have an inner voice, but actually it's sabotaging your success. So it's acknowledging what is your personal inner voice saying and then coming up with some sort of positive affirmation. I can do it. I'm worthy. I think for me also it's... uh 
it's sort of the the bite-sized chunk piece um it's in those sort of quieter moments you then maybe have time to do some of the side reading around um not necessarily always directly connected to your world but where can you learn how to apply vision from other industries and other areas the homework yeah, but I don't think of it as homework. I think if you find the right people, I think all of us are hopefully, you know, in our professional careers, we've been inspired by somebody that we worked with or worked for. And it's finding those individuals in other companies, other walks of life where a story can become relevant to you. I think it's interesting what Jeremy says in terms of work not being homework. And I think that's the difference of being an entrepreneur versus an employee. So if I'll easily spend two hours a night on social media, I might join a Twitter chat. But that for me doesn't feel like work because it's Mm. fun. It's engaging. You have some really interesting conversations with people, you know, all over the UK, the world potentially. And I think that's different to being an entrepreneur and an an employee is sometimes that's hard then with your family and partners. If you're on your phone constantly, Mm -hmm. they think you're working, but actually for you, you're not it's just something fun and growing your business to be fair the amount of time i spend on the eve in the evening on social media is directly related to whether love island is on or not (laughs) (laughs) catch knows this because she's been there for it Um, (laughs) i mean what jeremy just raised was actually really interesting because um a lot of people, as we've already said, have, have the skills to move into a different career. But there is often in job requirements, there is you need to spend X amount of time in a similar job, which makes it impossible to get that job. How do you get around that requirement? Uh, for me, my background is human resources. So I used to be the HR manager in corporations. And I think for me, it's go uh, find recruitment consultants in your industry that you want to go be in and go meet them and sell yourself to them so they can give you feedback on your CV they can give you some interview practice but they will then go to the companies you want to go work at and basically sell you it's a lot easier because they'll already be in that company rather than you just submitting your CV along with you know 200 other CVs you're already in front of them so definitely go meet a recruitment consultant okay And I'd say also don't discount the idea of going for a working for a small entrepreneurial company. Um, You may if you're prepared to start your own business, it's already ticked the box that you're going to give up some security. So why not jump in with a smaller company where you're probably going to be asked to do a wider range of tasks than your what you've been hired for. You'll probably also be able to bring more ideas to the table and have them heard in a smaller organisation compared to a corporate structure. Um, So I think small, not necessarily high growth companies, but companies that are looking to develop their own identity, niche market and uh, success are a great place to spend a couple of years. And then you'll also get to find out whether that level of self-management and responsibility is right for you because it's not for everybody. Um, and I do meet a lot of people that say, yeah, I'd love to start my own business. And you engage and you think, oh, there's something, there's something not quite committing here in the decision-making process. And you yeah. absolutely have to do that when you're responsible for yourself. Um, I'm going to wrap up in a second, but I just wanted to find out first, Jeremy, who, I mean, was there somebody that you looked at you know Caroline's talked about having a vision board did it was there somebody that you looked at and thought I want to be like that person like that person 
if they did it, then I can do it. The people, the, the two individuals that kind of inspired us were um, Ben Cohen and Jerry Greenfield, the founders of Ben and Jerry's Ice Cream. And I, the thing that really always inspired us was their view that business could have a social conscience as well. Um, there are ways of behaving as a business that um, see your responsibilities to your employees who join you, your supply chain community and your consumers as well and really felt that the values that they held were something that we could aspire to. Okay, Ben and Jerry, which, I mean, ice cream is always my inspiration, to be fair. Um, okay, so before I wrap up, I just want to ask both of you for your kind of three very quick pieces of advice that you would give anybody who wants to transform their lives. Um, Caroline, I'll start with you. Um, I think for me, it's have a vision and then break it down into small goals. Uh, number two, get a coach or a, join a mastermind group, someone to hold your account, but also to share the suggestions and the highs and the lows. And three, celebrate the wins. It's going to be really hard and there's not going to be someone necessarily like a boss in a corporate environment saying, well done, here's your bonus. Um, so I think celebrate those wins. Fantastic. Jeremy? Um, develop a thick skin. Uh, when people criticise your idea, take it as a point of view, not that what you're doing is wrong, but you may not have found the right way to explain it. Um, believe in people, value people. Um, don't be afraid to stretch yourself. When you get ready to hire people, hire the best you can afford to hire for the, the most you can afford to pay because um, <clears throat> those skills will accelerate you much more quickly. And the third probably is get a good accountant. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, I will wrap up. Guys, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's it for the first episode of the series. Follow us on Twitter on at UnregulatedPod for updates. And tell us how you jacked in your hackneyed or career to start something exciting and new. With thanks to Catch, who was producing this week, and Huckletree and White City Place, this has been the Unregulated Podcast. 